Welcome to the Father Daughter Book Club, a book club about the joy of reading together. I am one half of the book club, Kalia the daughter, and I'm the father half of the book club, Chris. And today we will be discussing the book "The Thing About Jellyfish" by Ali Benjamin. Now, before we get into our discussion, we have to remind you that we will be discussing details of the book. So the entire if... book, by the way. That's right. So if you haven't read it yet, please press pause, go finish reading the book, and then come back so that we don't spoil anything for you. Because spoils are always the worst thing when you're in the middle of a very good book. You hate it when people spoil it for you. So. Please finish the book before we keep discussing. So we will wait here for you. And as soon as you return, you can just press play, and it'll be like you never left. All right. So tell us about the book, Dad. Well, as you mentioned, this book is the thing about jellyfish. It was written by Ali Benjamin and published in sep- on September twenty second, two thousand fifteen. So it's fairly new. Yeah, this is a really recent book. It was a 2015 National Book Award finalist, which is high honors for a book. Should I read the synopsis or shall you? I will read the synopsis. Okay, go ahead. Susie Swanson has always known things that other kids don't. She can explain the sleep patterns of ants. She knows there are 150 million jellyfish stings on the planet every single year. She knows that the average middle school kid contains about twenty billion of Shakespeare's atoms, but she can't understand how Franny Jackson's lifetime could be cut so short before Susie could make up for the worst thing she'd ever done to her best friend. When Susie formulates a bold plan to travel across the, blo- the globe alone to learn the truth about how her friend died, she discovers that. The answer she most needs could be right in her own backyard. So it's a very sad book, and it's very similar to Counting by Sevens, actually. Yeah, this is another book that deals with a character, particularly a young character, figuring 12, out both twelve, figuring out how to grieve and what it means, how life will be different after a tragic loss. In this case, it. Susie is the main character, and the person who died is her best friend. Her best friend, Franny Jackson, happened to die in like a swimming accident. Yeah, she drowned. And so, throughout this book, Susie is trying to make peace. Things right. I get make things right. She's trying to make peace with not only Franny's、uh, loss, but as you mentioned in the synopsis, the their friendship wasn't on good terms. And the last time that Susie saw her, that Susie saw Franny, they weren't really speaking at all. So she's trying to figure out how, you know, like how to reconcile all of those things now that Franny's gone. And the in the beginning of the book, it it starts off with Susie talking about talking. I say talking, but、um, revealing、Not、that、talking. revealing that she's decided to stop talking actually, and that she hasn't talked. Uh, really, since the beginning of the school year, or maybe even over the summer. So we should say that Franny died over the summer. Yes. So it was in between the sixth and seventh grades, and as Susie enters seventh grade, she decides that she's not going to talk anymore. And so I'm curious, what what do you think of that decision of Susie's to stop talking? 
Well, I understand that she's just trying to figure out a way how she can grieve, but I honestly don't understand her not talking because she might just be deep in her thoughts, but it can actually be very rude when people don't respond to them. So, I actually don't really understand the decision to stop talking, but I do remember in the book it said that the best conversations aren't talking, they're just the ones where you're listening and no one's actually talking. I think Susie, she's struggling with the fact that her she hasn't communicated well with Franny. Yeah. And so her response is to simply not talk anymore. But we also know before that she was a very blabbermouth. She talked a lot. She was a chatterbox. And so it was kind of weird and abrupt that she just suddenly stopped talking. Yeah, she do- so she goes from one extreme to the other. Mm-hmm. And actually, I think it her, her communication, or rather inability to communicate, both before she stops talking and after she stops talking, actually caused her a lot of problems. How? Well, so the, the whole problem with Franny... So the two of them were best friends and they, you know, they met when they were very young and they were inseparable. But then as they get into middle school age, they start to drift apart. And at one point, Franny had told Susie, if I ever start to be... This was in fifth grade. Right. So if I ever start to behave like one of those girls, make sure you let me know. Send me a sign. Something big. Something big, right? So... Franny does start to behave like that, but Susie doesn't communicate that with Franny. She doesn't tell her simply, hey, Franny, um, remember that promise we made a long time ago? Well, guess what? I think you're starting to behave just like the girls you, you didn't like before. But also, Franny stopped talking to her shows. If she tried to, she couldn't really because Franny basically just ignored her. It was a slow, gradual... I'll, I'll say breakup. That's the wrong term, but it was like a slow, gradual drifting apart of the two of them. And it was something that Susie started to recognize early on, but didn't do anything about because she was, things were kind of getting out of control. She didn't, she didn't know how to get her friend back, even though she, she thought she did. She's, well, and, and had she simply followed her friend's advice, her friend's request. Well, she did. She just didn't understand. Just not early on. Just not early on, right? But that's, that's what I mean by communication. When you, when you, the, the important thing about communication is that you have to do it early and you have to do it often. If you do it late, it's better than nothing, but that's a lot of time that was wasted if you had simply communicated how you felt early on. Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's why I think she compounded the situation, it, you know, made the problem worse by not communicating and then by not talking. Again, that's not communicating. And throughout the book, by not talking, I think people misunderstand her. They, they don't, they don't quite know how to address her issues because she won't talk about them. Because I feel the best way to explain something is, or to grieve about something is to tell someone about it, even though I personally myself don't do that all the time. It's best to tell someone how you're feeling and maybe they can help you. But by not talking, 
they can't help you try and figure out how to get better. I feel like that's the problem that Susie doesn't understand is that there people are trying to help her. They just don't know how because she won't talk to them. Yeah, her, she, you know, she, Susie goes to visit a, a therapist. She calls them Dr. Legs. Because she has long legs, right? Um, she goes to visit this therapist and strangely enough doesn't say a word to the therapist. Right? Normally when you go see a therapist, that's what you go there for is to talk. But since she's doing her not talking thing, she doesn't say a word to the therapist. But the therapist makes the point that everyone grieves in different ways too. Everyone grieves in different ways and it's okay if you don't know how to handle a situation. That's what she was there for. Right. And so sometimes you need help um, grieving or not just grieving, but help with getting through all sorts of trials and tribulations in your life. And Susie thinks she has the answer, but trying to go through that alone, she doesn't rely on her parents, her parents or her brother um, or her teachers or really anybody. She tries to do this alone. She tries to grieve alone and it winds up leading to her going, uh, you know, doing some some really, um, I don't want to say crazy. She does some really extreme things. She goes to very extreme measures just to prove why Franny died. Or how Franny died. Yes. Okay. Um, that's, yeah, it, it's... Very deep book. Um, Allie Benjamin makes some really interesting decisions about how she tells this story. Um, she tells... The story using um, the the different aspects of the scientific method, you know, uh, organizing the and structuring the book in the same way that the scientific method is structured, and she also tells a good part of the story in flashbacks. So why do you? Uh, oh, first of all, did you like the fact that she told a good part of the story in flashbacks? Well, I liked it because it gave us some background information on their friendship and how strong their relationship was. And how they started to slowly drift apart and it gave us better information about it. But it was a bit confusing for me switching from it being in present time to back in the past. That's the only thing I didn't like about it being used in flashbacks is that it was a bit hard for me to transition from flashback to present time in her life. Yeah, uh, it, it can be confusing but I think it was a necessary device. Yes. Because, like you said, you, we needed context. But we also needed to understand the stakes, right? So if she had, if she had told the story linearly, right? It, uh, started off with Susie and Franny becoming friends and, and them and showing how their friendship grew and then going through fifth grade and sixth grade and then them drifting apart, drifting apart and, and all her of that. dying. And then her dying. And then Susie trying to cope with the loss and uh, discovering the, jelly, the information about jellyfish. Long. Not necessarily long, but we would, there wouldn't have been any stakes at the beginning of the book. It would have just been, oh, two friends meeting. Um, but by telling the story this way, by introducing the stakes up front, Susie is coping with the loss of her best friend. That, as a reader, draws you in. Yeah. Gets you interested in, in the story. Like, wait, what? And then she can, and then, and then Benjamin can introduce Franny as a character and how they met and tell that backstory. So that way you're even more invested into 
what Susie is going through, right? So I, I think it was a, a a very clever way for her to do that. Yeah. Okay, so um, what questions uh, do you have from the book? Anything that you want clarified or things that you found interesting? Well, we started talking about how Franny started hanging out with the popular slash mean girls and how she never wanted to be like them. But what I don't understand is exactly... She starts hanging out with them, but I don't understand. She comes from not wanting to be one of those people, and then she starts becoming those people. How, like, what? I'm not connecting the dots. I'm pretty confused on that. You're confused as to how Franny would go from disliking those girls to then wanting to hang out with them? And hanging out with them basically all the time. Well, as as you grow and mature, you know, like... Especially, we talk about this all the time. The middle school ages, 10, 11, 12, 13, those are huge. That's a huge period of transition and maturity and growth for a child. And I think Franny started to, you know, she started to grow and she started to like different things and she wanted to hang out with different people. She wanted to expand her horizons. She had been hanging tough with Susie for so many years. But then she started liking boys and she knew Susie didn't really like boys yet. She started uh, becoming more into fashion and Susie wasn't into fashion yet. She started wanting to wear makeup and Susie wasn't wearing makeup yet. And so all of these things. So she started gravitating towards the people who were into those things, which just so happened to be the people that she badmouthed in years before. So I think that's why, you know, as... As people change, you know, you know, people change all the time. Um, sometimes they just grow apart. And this was a, a sign of the two of them growing apart because their interests started to diverge quite drastically. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. What other questions do you have? Well, she also keeps giving the hint. Franny starts giving the hint that she doesn't really want to hang out with them anymore with Susie anymore and basically ignores her. I just still don't understand how someone like Susie, who's very intelligent, doesn't understand that one of her best friends doesn't really want to be friends anymore. But then I just realized maybe it's because she's more book smart and not socially smart. Took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) That's exactly what I was going to say. She's had this friend for a really long time. They're best friends. And she's not easily going to give up her best friend, right? So even though that Franny has sent her all sorts of cues and then she eventually um, does some mean things to Susie, it takes Susie a while to take the hint, to get the hint. And um, I think that's just, like you said, her being a little socially awkward, um, her being a really dedicated friend, and her, Susie, just not being ready for the changes. Right. Things are changing quickly around her. Her friend is, you know, hanging out with a new set of friends. And those girls are, they seem to be maturing at a faster rate than Susie. And all of those, I don't think Susie is prepared for those changes. And so she's still trying to hold on to the way that things were before and wants to continue being Franny's friend. I mean, they've been best friends for years. But I think what Susie doesn't realize is that maybe... Because they've been friends for so long, Franny may be starting to get a bit tired of her. 
and trying to just make new friends and stop hanging out with her so much because they've been together for so long. Yeah, I think that's what's going on with Franny, but Susie hasn't reached that point yet. So they're they're maturing at different rates. They're changing differently. Of course, I think Susie is changing as well. There's simply no way that she can't be changing, um, but they're changing differently. And Franny wants to change her her social circle, and Susie doesn't. That's I mean, we've, we've used this term uh, several times already in that they're just growing apart. And this is one of the ways that they're growing apart, that Franny wants to hang out with different people, and Susie still wants to hang out with her old best friend. I mean, no one can blame her no. for wanting to hang out with someone who she's familiar with, but also she felt like... She didn't really have any other friends but Franny. I think the the saddest part about it is not the fact that they they've grown apart, it's the fact that when we talked about communication before, neither one of them really communicate with each other what they need from one another. And so when It's all very kind of abrupt. Yeah, and and I understand, you know, as 10, 11, 12-year-olds, it, it's tough to communicate that stuff because you don't really know what's going on yourself. You don't want to hurt the other person's feelings i don't even think it's about hurting the other person's feelings because they do hurt one another but i think it's simply not understanding the changes that are happening and then not and then not being able to talk about them so if franny had been able to recognize oh i'm starting to change and hey Susie, um you know i want to start hanging out with other people because they're we're not quite into the same things as each other anymore and those people are more into the things that i i'm into so I'm gonna hang out with them a couple of times a week, and then, but we'll we'll still hang out together. You know, imagine if Franny had said something like that, then or, then their their friendship would have been able to continue. Maybe not as strong as it was. Maybe not hanging out all the time, eating lunch every day together, and doing all the things together. But they still could have been friends. Like maybe not. Like she could have said, "Hey, can I hang out with these guys? I mean, we are starting to be friends. I kind of want to hang out with them a little bit." But we can still hang out, just not as much. Yeah. Something. If the, if they would have been able to have that honest, very frank conversation, then maybe it wouldn't have, their friendship wouldn't have devolved the way that it did. Now, we never really quite said the thing that she did to Franny, which is one of the worst things she'd ever done. Well, what did Susie, uh, what did Franny do to her first? Franny, um, talked bad about her. Franny talked bad about her. She made fun of her in front of other people. She laughed at her. And then, uh, I think the, the thing that finally broke Susie was that Franny spit on her when they were at that retreat. So when they got back from the retreat, Susie decides that she needs to finally send Franny that message. Which? Was send her frozen, her frozen urine. I don't completely understand this myself. I'm confused. Wait. We know that she tells us once that urine can be a way to communicate, but that I'm still trying to connect the dots about how people can communicate by urine. Yeah, that part I didn't fully get either, but I guess there was something, a comment that Susie had made. That Franny found simply embarrassing about how urine is not as dirty as people think it is. 
because it's actually it's been you know it's it's gone through our human filtration system already so all the bad stuff is has been taken out of it already so she makes this comment and franny and her new group of friends are disgusted by it and i think when Susie decides to go through with this plan of freezing her own pee and then putting it in Franny's locker, she assumes that Franny will be able to connect the dots and, and understand, oh, this is the message. And then she'll confront Susie about it. And then Susie will be able to tell her and talk, you know. And so Susie is making all these assumptions about how Franny will react and how Franny will should be able to understand the message that she's trying to send. But she's not. She's just completely confused she's she's mortified yeah (laughs) she's absolutely mortified when she discovers that somebody peed in her well it seems like somebody peed in her locker right because um even though Susie puts frozen pee cubes in the locker of course they melt and so then it just seems like somebody peed in her locker and that's yeah right that that's the big fallout that's the last thing that happens between the two of them before the summer and before franny dies she never fully got to be able to say how sorry she was for doing so. No, she never got a chance to explain herself. And that's what they always say. Well, it's kind of like the cliche um, about that, that people have about life whenever somebody dies is that you can't ever take that person for granted because you never know when they'll be gone. You can't take every, any day for granted because you never know when your time will be up. And so... She, I think she's learning that because... She never got to say anything. Yeah, she never got to apologize. She never got to explain herself. She never got to say goodbye. They never reconciled. They they simply, their relationship was was in a bad place, unfortunately. Um, So we've talked a lot about... Franny. Their relationship and how it devolved and then, and how um, Susie decides to cope with her, Franny's loss by stop, uh, not talking anymore. But, but let's move on to some other people. No, actually, I want to continue talking about this for a little oh, bit. The questions about other people. Okay, well, if we have time, we'll get back to those questions. But I think it's important, and I'm so, I just realized it right now that it's in, the name of this book is The Thing About Jellyfish. And jellyfish play a huge role in this book. And yes. it, we would be making a huge mistake if we didn't talk about jellyfish. So, the thing that Susie thinks killed Franny was a jellyfish. Yeah, Susie realize, uh, Susie learns after a trip to the aquarium that there are, as you said in the synopsis, 150 million jellyfish stings on the planet per year. Which means that about every, was it 5 seconds? 10 seconds? Every 5. Every 5 seconds, somebody's getting stung by a jellyfish. And jellyfish stings can be fatal if they're not treated immediately. So as we mentioned, Franny died in a swimming accident. And we didn't mention, though, that the way Franny and Susie met was at swimming lessons. Yes. And... Franny was a very good swimmer. She was a super strong swimmer. She was able to swim at this age. They're like, I think, four, four years old or something like that. She was able to swim the entire length of the pool underwater. So she was an extremely strong swimmer. So F- Susie doesn't understand how she died while swimming. Because Be- she knows because she kno- how well of, right. how good of a swimmer so she, she is. So after she learns that jellyfish stings are so prominent and that jellyfish um, seem to be 
taking over the world, right? She learns a whole bunch of information about jellyfish. Like jellyfish can never die and a bunch of stuff. She wants to find out how, if it's feasible that her friend got stung by a jellyfish and that's why she died. Because she knows that there's an, basically an invisible jellyfish and it has one of the most deadly venoms of a jellyfish. Well, of any animal, really. Of any animal. And I believe it's called it Irukabu something. <laughs> I don't know. And because they migrate frequently, she thinks, even though they are in Australia, maybe it could have moved and they could have migrated over to where Franny was swimming and she got stung a jellyfish and she didn't even know it. And she ends up drowning. Right. So Susie gets consumed by this idea that maybe her friend got stung by a jellyfish. So she goes about learning as much about jellyfish as she can. And to do so, she mm-hmm. finds jellyfish experts. Well, too. one of the things that her therapist told her in therapy is that sometimes you you can't find all the answers on your own and then you have to find an expert. And so the therapist is hoping that she, that, that Susie will open up to her doctor, her therapist, because her therapist is, she's the expert she's talking about. But Susie takes it totally differently and she's like, well, wait a minute. You're right. I do need an expert. I need a jellyfish expert. Jellyologist. She so, looks at a bunch of different ones. So it... It started like this whole concept, this idea that a jellyfish could have stung her friend leads her down this path where she gets consumed by jellyfish. She starts, right, trying to find a jellyfish expert who she can talk to, who can do the research and investigation necessary to figure out how plausible it is that her friend got stung by this jellyfish. Um, what, what do you think about her theory? I think that... Based on that, it could be very true that maybe she did, but she has to know that not everything happens for a reason. Sometimes, maybe she just swam too far out and maybe she, or maybe she just lost her breath and she got drowned. She doesn't fully understand her friend's death and... Right, that's the the very first thing that her mom says after her mom just, um... Tells, tells her, her that about she died. Is that she says, well... Something's but, just happened. Some Exactly. And she's like, but that's not true. And that's what she loves about science is that it gives proof to things that have been unproven. And I think that answer, some things just happen, wasn't good enough for Susie. No. It's, it's a platitude, you know? It's just something that people say. But for her, it didn't bring her any closure it didn't bring her any solace didn't help her didn't help her at all and so that's how she plunges into this abyss of jellyfish yeah when she figures wait if they are frequently migrating and there's a very big jellyfish a very deadly jellyfish sting and it could have killed her then she's all like okay i'm gonna connect the dots jellyfish Franny, stung. (laughs) Yeah, I think it says a lot about the type of personality that Susie has. She's a very wants-proof person, a bit like you. Not only that, but sometimes when you can't process an emotion, you 
as a as a person, if you don't know how to process an emotion, you substitute something else. So uh, sometimes people substitute working out more, exercising. They can't process an emotion, so they they use exercise as a way to 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 take its place. Sometimes they eat. Sometimes they get consumed by work. And I think for Susie, she gets consumed by this idea that jellyfish could be the the answer. So she can't process the emotions of losing her friend, her mom, or all her mom can tell her is things some, just happen. Things just happen. She's resigned herself to not talking, so she, she's not even talking to the therapist who probably could help her process the emotion. So she thinks, okay, so the since she's not processing the emotions, she's allowing herself to be consumed by this jellyfish theory. And this and jellyfish theory leads her down very enormous, extravagant places. Oh, yeah. So she ends up finding the expert who thinks who she thinks can answer her questions. The only problem is... He's all the way in Australia! Yeah. And and then in another instance, um, I forget who told her. Maybe it was the therapist. Maybe it was her teacher. Um, her teacher told her, well, sometimes you can't say something. Sometimes you can't say things over the phone. You have to tell it to a person face-to-face. And that's when she gets the idea... You're right. I can't send this expert in Australia an email. I can't call and talk to him. I have to go to Australia and look him in the eyes and tell him uh, what I need to know. Oh, it was probably, I think, never mind, I don't remember actually. But there's also something very important. She gets so consumed in this jellyfish thing. We know that she loves science and there's a science presentation and she decides to do that presentation on what do you guess it is jellyfish of course and people make fun of her for it yeah i think she was hoping she's putting all of her hopes and dream not really her dreams but all of her hopes and her work and herself into jellyfish because she sees that jellyfish can provide the answers to questions that she hasn't been able to answer herself. Like, how did this happen to Susie? Or sorry, Franny. how did it happen to Franny? And so she's hoping that when she shares this information that she's learned about jellyfish, that her classmates will also be able to see all of the things that she thinks that jellyfish will provide the answers to. So, But her classmates haven't even asked those questions. Her classmates just make fun of her and don't really understand. Yeah, so she's, she's again, she's making a lot of assumptions about how people will receive the information that she's going to give them about jellyfish. And she's so passionate about it, passionate about it. But it, it completely goes over her classmates' heads. And all they, all they hear is a, a kid ranting and raving about jellyfish. And to them, it sounds silly. But there isn't for one person named, well, actually two people, one named Sarah and another named Justin. Well, and her teacher, too. Yeah. I think her teacher understands well, the type teacher, of work that she put into the, the presentation. The teacher also doesn't think that she's okay. Well, I mean, as an adult, she has a different perspective. But her, I think, you know, while even though the teacher doesn't, because again, this is a new teacher, a new a new grade. So the teacher probably doesn't even know who Franny was, doesn't know that Franny died, died, and doesn't know that Franny was Susie's best friend. She doesn't really know Franny at all in their relationship. Right. 
They so just... she doesn't understand why Susie is so passionate about this jellyfish stuff, but she does understand that Susie put in a lot of work and that she did a really good job. Um, so it doesn't go over her head at all. I think she um, gives a lot of praise to Susie for the work that she put into it. And she understands that Susie's going through something. That's because she she's noticed that Susie doesn't talk at all, but she doesn't know that Susie used to be the most talkative child there was. That now the new Susie is not talking at all. So she doesn't know much about anything, but she's willing to um, Help give, her. give Susie a place to be. If she's not getting along with her classmates, because clearly, like People you said, they've made, fun, they've of made her, fun of her. Called her Medusa because of this, because she, of jellyfish legs. Yeah, but so she's willing to give Susie a place to be that will hopefully be more receptive and welcoming than maybe the playground is or the lunchroom is so yeah all of those things that um and so you mentioned sarah and justin so what about them so justin is kind of just like a messy rule breaker that's what she thinks of him at least and sarah is a new kid and she talked to her and seems like she wants to be your friend but then a bunch of the popular girls that Franny was starting to hang out with. They start talking to her, and now she hangs out with them, and now she feels great. Now she's just like Sarah, the person. Now she's just like Franny, the person who I thought we might be able to become friends, is now not gonna be my friend because of that. Okay. Did you have a question about them? And what do you think her opinions of them change? Later in the book, we know that her opinions of Justin definitely change, and Sarah, her feelings kind of change. What do you think, how how do you think they change and become a bit more complicated about her feelings? Well, I, I think her feelings about them change because they she starts to interact with them in ways that help her understand the type of people that they are. Um, Justin, first of all, is the only kid who's not making fun of her for her presentation. She ac- He actually calls her a nice name, which is Belle, which is the biggest part of the jellyfish. Right. And she starts to learn more about Justin's condition and how he's dealing with it and how that and how he's trying to overcome it. And so that that gives her more perspective into who he is. And so she obviously her, her opinion of him changes the better she gets to know him and the same with Sarah where she doesn't get to know Sarah all that well but um at least not until the end of the book but then again Sarah expresses an interest in something that they might share which is like a video that their teacher was showing right and also her presentation her presentation she was like drawn into her presentation and she leaned forward in her seat now she yeah, really so Sarah was interested in the it. jellyfish presentation, and then Sarah made a presentation about ants? Zombie ant, I believe. Zombie ant. So they both had these really kind of unique, interesting presentations that kind of uh, hints at the fact that they might have more in common. So I think just, you know, her initial perspe- perception of Sarah um, was the wrong one because... It just so happens that Sarah, you know, she was a new kid in school and she just so happened to become friends with those other other girls. And she didn't, Sarah didn't know any different. Like, she just kind of fell into it. Well, Sarah, she also said later, says later in the book that she never really felt like they were actually her friends. Like, 
she talks to them and hang out hangs out with them but she never actually really felt like they had a big connection and she feels like Susie and her do have a bigger have a better connection probably they have more in common right as we mentioned with those presentations so i think that over the course of the book her perception of these two two kids change and she becomes friends with them and finally becomes friends with somebody other than franny, franny. okay i still don't exactly understand how she became friends with at the when they took those swim lessons yeah but those swimming lessons she just went to try and swim like them not because because she wanted to be as good as franny but that doesn't really connect the dots and how they still became friends that's where they met and they like you said you, you talk about having a connection they had a they had a connection with each other immediately and so they continued being friends it sometimes it's very simple like the way you become friends with people is simply by meeting them and finding something interesting about them. And, and Susie was immediately interested in Franny by the type of person that she seemed to be, which is this spunky, uh, spunky kid that was able to swim extremely well. Right. So that's how they became friends. So what did you think overall of the book? I think it is a very deep book, but it was a very good book. I feel like it definitely has very good messages that you shouldn't assume things about how people will perceive things and that sometimes there isn't just a complete answer it can just be that something did just happen yeah that there's not always an explanation for something which is what she was looking for an explanation when sometimes we don't know what it is and we can't always prove something we can't always prove things yeah, I, I really like the choices that Allie Benjamin made as the author. We talked already about how she told parts of the story in flashbacks. I thought that was done really well. We talked about how she uses the scientific method as a way to structure and organize the story. I enjoyed that a lot because it... It gives it, a sense of Susie's personality. Well, and it serves as a metaphor to how Susie is progressing in her grief. And, and how she's evolving throughout the course of that year and, and where she's at in her life. And I thought that was really well done. And I, I, I really enjoyed the way the book was written. Um, I liked the fact that she was able to take her main character and put some fault, faults in her and have her character, have that main character make a huge, you know, some mistakes. Huge mistakes huge when mistakes. she was trying to go to Australia. What I didn't like about it was that, um, there doesn't seem to be enough fallout from some of the decisions and the things that Susie does. Like people just forgive her for stealing and for lying and for not talking to them and for like people just kind of forgive her and there's no like there's they no understand con- how she was going through. I don't like that either. There are yeah, there weren't really any consequences for Susie. Like she didn't really apologize. Oh, well, maybe she did. She did. It, she said, "I'm sorry for stealing. I'm sorry." And I didn't, I just didn't know how. But I just don't understand how she wasn't able, how she wasn't going to tell her parents. Right. So that's one part of the book that I didn't like. But overall, I thought it was a really well-written book. I enjoyed reading it. I read it really fast. And and yeah, I thought it was good. I would definitely recommend it to others. Um, Really, if you're looking for contemporary fiction, modern fiction... Um, this is a, and if you're a, a preteen girl, <laughs> like me, 
middle school, junior high. I think this is definitely a, a, a good read. It was. Who would you recommend the book to? Like you said, m- middle school age. Maybe not just a girl, but for guys. I feel like maybe adults can even learn from this when they are trying to grieve from a death and trying to look for an explanation that sometimes you can't always find the explanation. Yeah, that, that's a really good point for adults too, and especially when you're... As a parent, it doesn't really give the parents perspective, um, but when you're trying to understand what your child is going through and trying to help them deal with and help them process emotions. It's like a way to kind of see through their mind in a different perspective. It get, as a Definitely as a parent reading this, it gives me, I think, the gives me insight into how a child might feel, which since it's been a long time since I was that age... <laughs> I may have lost um, a little bit of perspective of that perspective. So uh, it's definitely good reading books like this that kind of delve into the psyche of a child. Absolutely. Okay. Um, any, any other final thoughts, closing thoughts about this book? Um, I just wanted to say the cover is a very interesting cover because it shows her kind of holding a jellyfish as if it were a kite. Yeah. It's very interesting. That is very interesting. Like it's a balloon or a kite. And it's as if it's her way of figuring things out. And her starts out from her bottom and then it grows jellyfish. And I feel like it could be a metaphor as to how she grows throughout the book. Yeah, I mean, you said it's like a kite. So think about what a kite does. You know, a kite kind it of flies. flies. And, and so she's using the jellyfish as a way to escape and fly like a kite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. So, the book, if you were wondering what book we will be reading and discussing next, so that you can get a copy of it as soon as possible, so that you can read it before we put out the next episode, we will be reading The Bad Beginning by Lemony Snicket's and Danielle Handler, the artist. And this book is from A Series of Unfortunate Events, book one. It's a very popular Netflix series, and I saw, like, the first two and half of the third. It's a very good book and yeah, series. So it's, it's, a, it's a book that was turned into a movie, and now it's turned into a Netflix television series. Um, it's a very unique and interesting and uh kind of quirky book right Uh uh-huh so it should be fun to read we hope um that you're able to get it before our next episode so that you're you're able to join in our discussion we hope that you've enjoyed our discussion about the thing about jellyfish and also comment down below any books that you would like us to read next so if you want to send us a note send us a comment go to our website fatherdaughterbookclub.com And we do have an episode about books that we can recommend and you can suggest books down there that you want us to read that you feel is a very good book. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast yet, what are you waiting for? You're going to miss all the episodes that we have coming up. So please subscribe to the podcast, fatherdaughterbookclub.com. You can subscribe in iTunes. You can subscribe in Google Play. You can subscribe in almost... Most places that you get your podcasts. Anywhere. So So please do so so that you don't miss any future episodes. 
And we have some very interesting episodes coming up next. Yes. So thank you for listening, and we will see you next time. Ah, uh, the Father Daughter Book Club. Dun 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 dun.